Hi, I'm Josh and welcome to the Wild Nature Photography Podcast, the podcast that talks the art and craft and today the finances of nature photography. It is the 22nd of April 2023 and this is podcast number 70. This is a podcast I've been trying to record for a few few days now, but I keep getting interrupted and have to re- restart it. So hopefully third time's a charm. Uh, I just got back to Australia a few days ago now. I've just been getting over some jet lag from Svalbard. And uh, actually, while I'm just talking about airports, I had to, once we landed in uh, Melbourne, Australia, we had to wait over an hour for our luggage on the luggage carousel because apparently, and the announcement came over the PA, that uh, there was some kind of resourcing issue. They didn't have enough baggage handlers, which really, really is just ridiculous. They know the planes are coming. They just didn't put enough staff on. Management fail. I know it's a first world problem. Not going to rant about it too much on this podcast, but, you know, Really, after 14 and a half hours on a plane, you don't want to be standing around at the luggage carousel for more than an hour waiting for your luggage. It really kind of just sucks. So uh, that wasn't great, but uh, at least my luggage turned up and back home in Australia now. So catching up on office paperwork, catching up on jet lag and catching a little bit up on the podcasts. So I'll come to the topic of the day in a minute, but uh, just a few little housekeeping items uh, first of all, first of which is I've just published the trip report from my Svalbard Spring Light Expedition. That's available now on my blog. I'll put a link to it in the show notes. This was quite an extraordinary expedition. You know, I've been photographing polar bears now for over a decade up in the Arctic. And this, the encounter we had on our last day on this expedition was one of the very best I've ever had. It was a perfect storm of great light, a fantastic bear in great condition on wonderful ice in deep snow. Uh, with fantastic backdrop, but you really couldn't have asked for much more. It was the stuff that dreams are made of, and uh, I'm still on a bit of a buzz and a high about it, really. It was really quite exciting. We were with the bear for about an hour and a half, and there were just fabulous photographs that resulted during this encounter. It was it was outstanding. So anyway, I won't uh, sort of wax lyrical about it too much here. You can check out the trip report on my blog if you're interested to read more about that. I've also put uh, quite a few photographs already in that trip report, including some from the bear encounter and a little bit of video. And I've actually also created a new section on my website. It's called New. It's just in front of the portfolios, and it's going to be a place I drop new photographs um, from these trips that I do. Because I had a very good, interesting email that came through while I was traveling from someone who suggested it would be a good idea to have a What's New section because they got tired of trawling through all my portfolios to see if there was anything new there. Fair enough. I think it's a good idea too. So I've added that new page to the website uh, today or yesterday. I forget now. That's jet lag. And um, it's there if you if you want to check it out. Um, a few other housekeeping items just that are worth talking about briefly. Adobe has just released an update to Lightroom that includes some very nice uh, denoise facility, uh, which is – I've only had a cursory play with it so far, but it looks to be – Pretty close to as good as what Topaz has been doing with their AI noise. I'm still playing around with the Lightroom one. Uh, I don't have a definitive answer yet on whether it's better or not, but it's certainly very, very good. Uh, it does create a new DNG file, which I'm not that great a fan of. I would prefer it did this parametrically, like the analog style noise reduction we've had, if you like, but it still appears to do a very, very good job. Uh, Eric Chan over at Adobe has posted a good blog post on this. I might link to that in the show notes as well. That's worth your time. It takes five minutes to read just so you understand the new tool, the thinking behind this new tool and how it works and how to make the most of it with your photography as well. The last item I want to get into before the topic of the day is Canon has announced this new 
100 to 300 millimeter. It's a fixed f 2.8 zoom lens. So it's going to be 2.8 all the way through its zoom range from 100 to 300 millimeters. Now, who is this lens for? I think it's pretty obvious that this is primarily going to be aimed, or is aimed, I should say, at sports photographers. And I think predominantly it's going to be mostly used by indoor sports photographers. It's a little short, I think, for the sidelines of a football game uh, for most of the imagery. Uh, typically a 400 2.8 is what, what most professionals would reach for in that uh, situation. But it's certainly going to be very useful for indoor sports, perhaps hockey, things like that. But I think there's also a very good use for this lens in nature photography uh, and specifically for one particular species, and that is penguins. Because with penguins, it's very easy to control your distance away from the subject because they move quite slowly when on land, which means that it's very easy to go a little closer, a little further away. But having a 100 to 300 2.8 gives a lot of flexibility with the penguins and the ability to do very, very shallow depth of field work, uh, but still maintain some telephoto compression as well. Uh, I think that's what it's going to be ideal for. Now, I haven't made up my mind yet whether I'm going to buy this lens. It's very expensive. Recommended retail price in the US at around about $9,500. No price has yet been announced here in Australia, but I'm expecting this lens to be north of 13000 possibly north of 14000 Australian dollars. That's a lot of money to spend on a lens that really is just for one or two subjects. So I am going to get my hands on this lens very early. I'm actually getting my hands on it on Monday, so the day after tomorrow. Canon's loaning me one. Now, unfortunately, I'm only going to have it for about an hour or so, but it should be enough to shoot some test images, have a little bit of play around with it, and just see how it feels in the hand. One of the things that I'm acutely aware of with this lens is how well is it balanced on the camera? Because if I go back to Canon's original EF 200, 400, 200 to 400 millimeter lens, this was a fantastic lens optically, but it had incredibly bad balance, meaning it just didn't feel good in the hands. It was very front heavy. It was difficult to handhold. Now, this lens is the 100 2.8 is a lot lighter, but I just want to see how it balances in the hand because I shoot so much handheld these days. Uh, and these new 400 uh, and 2.8 2 and 600 f4 RF lenses are extremely well balanced. So that's also going to play a big factor into whether I end up buying this lens or not. I might do another podcast about it once I've had a chance to test it on Monday. Uh, I'll just see how I go for time. But I am looking forward to, to testing this lens. It's a lens I didn't know was coming and came a little bit out of the blue from uh, from Canon. I think it caught a few people by surprise, actually. Uh, but I think, you know, it's going to be optically quite brilliant. I don't think there's going to be any doubts about that. Being one of Canon's L lenses, being a fixed 2.8, I'm sure it's going to be amazing. It's just a question of whether it's going to work for me in the field and whether I'm comfortable hand-holding it or not. So anyway, let's put that aside and let's come to the topic of today, which is stop buying Lightroom presets or stop wasting money on Lightroom presets. Now, I'll admit that's a bit of a clickbait title, but it, and I don't normally do clickbait titles, but this one was very deliberate because I have noticed over the last few months, there have been a huge increase in Lightroom presets being sold, marketed and sold through social media, through platforms like Facebook, uh, and others. And typically these presets are being sold as one-shot silver bullets or wonder bullets to take your photography all the way, if you like, from zero to hero. And they're anything but. And I want to talk about the reason for that and why they are not a silver bullet and why they are often detrimental to your photography uh, and why Lightroom presets generally are not a great idea. So let's go through all those topics. Now, the first thing I want to say is that Lightroom presets, the ones being sold and marketed, 
to create a specific look or style to a photograph, uh, predominantly the ones that I'm targeting with this podcast. Now, the reason for that is is presets are very lighting specific. Uh, They're also camera sensor specific and lens specific, but predominantly they are lighting specific. That means how did you expose the sensor in the field and how does your exposure compare to the exposure that the preset was based on and how how does that then render as a file? Because typically a preset is only going to provide you with a very good, or not even a very good, it's going to provide you with a starting point at best uh, for a particular style or look to an image that you are going to need to further tweak. So if you apply a preset for, let's just say, dark urban as an example, giving you a grungy urban look to a, a photograph you might have taken on the city streets. Now, if you apply a preset to your file, that preset is then going to need to be tweaked. You're going to need to adjust the exposure, the contrast, the colors, until it looks right for your file and the exposure that you made in the field. Now, if you have to go and do all that work anyway, then you may as well just do it from scratch and learn how to do it properly so that you can create a preset for that look for your exposures. Because creating Lightroom presets is really, really easy and straightforward. I don't want this to be a tutorial on how to do it. There is plenty of those online. But what I'm trying to get at here and what I'm driving at is that somebody else's presets that they made around their exposures with their camera sensor and their lens are not optimal to your exposure and your lens. Now, there is a time that Lightroom presets can be purchased, and that's if you're doing studio work under very constant lighting, where the lighting isn't changing and you can create a preset or purchase a preset designed for that particular type of lighting and apply that and get a very easy, a very much a one-shot click. Uh, result that can work quite well in most instances, not always. Now, there are exceptions to presets that are worth buying in Lightroom, and this is not a shill or a plug for my own uh, noise presets in any way, but the only presets in my mind that actually make sense to purchase are noise presets. That is where someone has spent a lot of time to create noise presets specific to a particular camera brand and model. And that can then save you a whole bunch of time in post-production if you don't have to go through and manually edit the noise reduction sliders in for your photograph. So for example, I had created a set of noise reduction presets for the Canon EOS 1DX Mark III and for the Canon EOS R3. And I might try and link to both of them in the show notes, um, more for your curiosity than because I want to try and sell any. I, I'm really not too fussed about that. But those presets, I spent many, many days creating and optimizing. I shot test charts at different ISOs. I then spent days and days analyzing these images and optimizing the, the, the noise reduction for those two cameras. Now, those noise reduction presets are specific to the 1DX Mark III and the EOS R3. They will not work or be optimal. They'll work, but they won't be optimal with any other camera. So that's why any other model or brand of camera, I should say. That's why noise reduction presets can be worth the money when you're purchasing them. But presets for a particular style or look, not in my book. You're better off creating your own from scratch. Go for the look you want. Create, create, edit an image, process an image in Lightroom. Get the look that you want. If you're not sure how to get the look you, you want, then just Google it because there are thousands of examples online all, all over YouTube of how to get a certain type of look. Let's just call it the urban grunge look for the sake of, of the argument. Find out how to get your urban grunge look. Watch a video on it on YouTube. Then go through and do it yourself in Lightroom and create a preset yourself for your specific files. And that way, not only will you save money, you won't be buying someone else's um, colored presets, but you will have learned how to do it yourself 
and you will then have something that's optimal to your exposures in the field. It just makes a lot of sense to me to do it that way. I believe that you know these Lightroom presets, the way they're targeted and marketed on social media is very much at the beginner photographer who might just be starting out, who just has a little bit of experience, perhaps enough to get themselves into trouble or uh, is looking for that magic silver bullet so that they don't have to perhaps learn about how to best process or optimally process a raw file in Lightroom. And I just believe that it's a, not the best solution to be looking for silver bullets. It's it is There is a tendency amongst photographers to do this, to look for silver bullets. Uh, in it, Photographers who make prints have been doing this for years, uh, always jumping from one printer paper to the next, to the next, to the next, in the hope that it's going to give them a better DMAX, better blacks, more detail in the highlights, etc. When reality is, if you just learn to use the printer paper you've already got, you're going to get a much, much better result because you're going to know what's going to happen when the rubber hits the road or ink hits paper before it even happens. And the same thing applies with Lightroom presets. Don't fall for the silver bullet marketing. Save your money and create your own Lightroom preset for a particular style or a particular rendition of color that you like. And if you see a Lightroom preset on social media being advertised, and you think, hey, that dark gloomy forest look looks really cool. I'd like to apply that to one of my photographs. Then most of them will offer you an opportunity to try before you buy. And I strongly suggest that you do that. And that's when you'll probably find out that you have to do more than just make one click. You really need to go and tweak the file to get the best possible results. And you can then look at that and see, okay, that's what they applied. That's what they used to make the preset. And then you can create your own preset specific to your files. Um, this being, this ended up being a bit more ranty than I wanted it to be, but it's just been doing my head in a little bit because they've been coming up in my social media feed a lot over the last month. I'm not sure why, uh, whether people are paying to advertise their presets, but it seems that every second photographer out there these days is marketing and trying to sell you a set of presets. And I just don't think it's the way to go to optimally process your raw files. Uh, even if you're trying to achieve a specific look, I just think you're better off doing it yourself. Um, and learning how to do it. And it is really, really easy to create a Lightroom preset. There's no magic to it. It's very, very straightforward. So I think I think that's pretty much got off my chest what I wanted to say about Lightroom presets. The only other thing I'll say about them is just from a pricing perspective, you, you see them advertised everywhere from about 9 or $10 uh, for a single set of presets, typically up to 10 presets in a bundle. And then you might see a huge bundle of presets grouped together for something like $40, $50, that might have a hundred presets in it or more. More is not necessarily better. In fact, it's definitely not better, I think, in this instance, because you're just going to go through clicking each one uh, and not getting an optimal result on your file. So that's my thoughts on it. I just, I really feel like there needs to be a bit of education out there at the lower level, if you like, or for people who are just learning that these are not silver bullets. They're just, if you like, a quick way to try and save uh, some time that really isn't going to give you an optimal result. So without sort of rehashing what I've already said about this, I think that's enough. I think I'm going to wrap it up there uh, on Lightroom presets. Um, I actually did have someone contact me a little while ago about this and asked if I would supply them with a set of presets that I use when I'm working on images from the Arctic. Now, I don't actually use any, and that's the truth. The only preset that I use ever in Lightroom is the ones I created for noise reduction for the Canon EOS R3 and for the 1DX Mark III. Um, they're the only presets I ever use. I just don't have a need for anything else. I like to treat each raw file individually and process it optimally. And even though I'm coming back with 
often thousands of photographs from the field. I'm not processing thousands of photographs. I'm only picking the eyes out of it and processing the very, very best files, which mean I can afford to spend a few minutes to do it optimally in Lightroom and not make it a one-click wonder. I don't need to quickly process you know, 500 images to get out to a newspaper or to get out to a media outlet. And I can see for the photographer who does need to do that, that there is an argument that a preset can save them some time. And in that case, again, I think that photographer should just make the preset themselves to suit their exposures in the field. It's the way to go. So there we go. I think that's it. I'm going to be in Australia for a little under a month now before I leave for Africa and then Alaska. Actually, speaking of Africa, I have actually got one place that's become available on my workshop. It's a masterclass workshop for uh, wildlife, specifically photographing wildlife in Africa at eye level, which is something very, very special. And we're going to be doing that from a combination of hides and also from a brand new safari vehicle that's been designed from the ground up to offer ground level photography. I'm really excited about that. If that's something of interest to you and you can work on a short notice, just drop me a note and I can send you some further details. And then at the conclusion of that Africa trip, I'll be heading to Barrow in Alaska and I'm looking forward to that very, very much. That's an opportunity. It's a test trip. It's going to be an opportunity to photograph uh, both King Ida and Stella's Ida in breeding plumage on the Arctic tundra, and I'm really looking forward to that as well. That's going to be quite exciting. I have more to say about both of those trips and the, if you like, the um, challenges of packing for both Africa and the Arctic in one bag, because I'm definitely not taking two bags on that trip. Having just travelled around the world with two big North Face duffels uh, and needing a trolley to move from A to B every time, I'm really kind of tired of that. So I want to just travel in the one bag, and I do need to take quite a bit of kit with me. So I'll do a podcast or a packing list about those trips as we get closer. Um, I'm going to try and also squeeze in a few more podcasts uh, between now and then, because there are a few other things going on that I want to talk about that I think are quite topical, and uh, both from an equipment perspective, from processing, from printing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we'll get to all of that in due course um, as time goes forward. So that's it for today. I'm Josh. It has been the 22nd of April 2023, podcast number 70. I look forward to seeing you out in the field. Take care.